Hello and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today, Chad and I are discussing Dagon, a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Dagon was written in July 1917 and is one of the first stories that Lovecraft wrote as an adult. It was first published in the November 1919 edition of The Vagrant and was later published in Weird Tales. Chad, this was your first full read-through of a Lovecraft story. What'd you think? First off, brilliant writing. I got to get that out of the way because it's yeah. just like very good. I've never I've never learned so much about the horror genre in five pages before. And I've just learned that the best way to make something scary is to not explain it. Yeah. Right. Like that fear of the unknown is really scary. As soon as you like, I've always known, like once you reveal the monster, it does kind of lose a little bit of its like mystique. Yeah. yeah. But man, he does such a good job of always keeping, or at least in, in this story, always keeping his monsters at the fringe of your yeah. awareness. Even when he sees the actual monster, it's like, it's like it's what was that? Yeah, yeah, it's not really explained. It's just like, and if I could explain it to you, you would go insane. I think his words are, and I saw him and I went mad. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you can kind of like bridge those gaps yourself. Yeah, he just yeah. kind of like leaves it up to your imagination, which we're definitely going to think of something that's more personally scary to us than anything that he can come up with. So I think that's kind of a little bit of the mystique of his writing, or at least in this story, is the ability to explain without explaining. Yeah, and this isn't this isn't a very complicated story, right? I mean, it's no. just like this guy ends up on this, you know, mound, basically. Right, this piece of ocean floor that came up from the bottom. Yeah, and, and like just, just describing the atmosphere and everything, it's just you can really start piecing all of this together. He lets you do all the heavy lifting here, and it is just a really creepy situation but let's get a little bit more into it after we do a quick recap of what happened of course everybody uh, we always encourage you to read the short story this was published uh, over a hundred years ago so wow. you shouldn't have any trouble finding a free version of this to read sorry anyway. if there's spoilers <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert for a hundred year old story you had a century uh, <laughs> that one's on you uh, we'll probably just put the link for the short story in the description i think we can get away with that this has got to be yeah. public domain at this point but anyway, um, I'm going to read this out and then we'll get talking about it. All right. The story is told by a tortured, morphine addicted man who relates an incident that occurred during his service as an officer during World War I. In the unnamed narrator's account, his cargo ship is captured by an Imperial German sea raider in one of the most open and least frequented parts of the broad Pacific. He escapes on a lifeboat and drifts aimlessly south of the equator, until he eventually finds himself stranded on a slimy expanse of hellish black mire, which extends about him in monotonous undulations as far as he can see. After waiting three days for the seafloor to dry out sufficiently to walk on, he ventures out on foot to find the sea and possible rescue. After two days of walking, he reaches his goal, a hill which turns out to be a mound on the edge of an immeasurable pit or canyon. Descending the slope, he sees a gigantic white stone object that he soon perceives to be a well-shaped monolith whose massive bulk had known the workmanship and perhaps the worship of living and thinking creatures. The monolith, situated next to a channel of water in the bottom of a chasm, is covered in unfamiliar hieroglyphs, consisting for the most part of conventionalized aquatic symbols such as fishes, eels, octopuses, crustaceans, mollusks, whales, and the like. As the narrator looks at the monolith, a creature emerges from the water. Horrified, the mariner flees back to his stranded boat and vaguely recalls a great storm. 
His next memory is of a San Francisco hospital where he was taken after being rescued in the mid-ocean by a U.S. ship. There are no reports of any Pacific upheavals, and he does not expect anyone to believe his incredible story. With the drug that has given him transient Circes running out, he declares himself ready to do himself in. The narrative is revealed to be a suicide note. The story ends with the narrator hearing a noise at the door, as of some immense slippery body lumbering against it, before shouting, God, that hand, the window, the window. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's so, yeah, like, it's so dark. tentacly and slimy and just yeah, like, green. you know, yeah, you know, the Zerglings the in Zerglings? StarCraft? I never played StarCraft. Oh, man. Well, in order to like expand your colony, you have to lay down this like squeaky, squishy, gooey, like earth. And then you can like build your buildings on top of it. And the whole ground of the ocean floor that he's traversing across was just like, Zergling land. I'm sure someone out there listening will be like, yeah, dude, Zergling land. <laughs> Apparently he got all this from a dream that he had, like in 1917. Oh, really? Yeah, like he, there's wow. a quote here. He says, I dreamed that whole hideous crawl and can yet feel the ooze sucking me down. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's referring to the Sumerian god named Dagon, who's the fertility god of grains and fish. Yeah, it's mentioned in like Deuteronomy or something. Yeah, it's like regarding the ancient Philistine legend of Dagon, the fish god. Sometimes depicted as being part fish or simply like wearing a fish. Lovecraft really likes references to archaeological discoveries, puts them into his writing now and then. And then Dagon comes up again in The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is another story we'll probably read on here as well. Um, but this is like his first like mythos story right there's like the cthulhu mythos this is like the first one it definitely felt like a and you guys need to know this so the next story will make more sense sort of story yeah it's weird you know i haven't read a ton of lovecraft i think there were other people kind of contributing to this kind of mythos that he was building Mm -hmm. i think he was responsible for quite a bit of it it seems interconnected and then it doesn't seem interconnected and then it does again the more that you read (laughs) Uh, so it's, you know, I think you'd have to read a pretty exhaustive amount of his work to be able to really draw lines between things. But yeah, Dagon is the first in the mythos. And it's, uh, Lovecraft does a, does a really interesting thing with his work where the landscape and the, the just kind of general, like he talks about the sky a lot. A talks lot about the, the ground a lot. Moon. Yeah. Like there's a lot of space in a lot of the things that I've read, you know, I mean, you're just, you're small and alone yeah. and there's just really weird things happening. I mean, he capitalizes on the vastness of things, right? Like the contrast with, you know, him being in this, you know, this, I pictured like this flat expanse of blackness, yes. right? Like under a sky, almost so blue, it was black with a harsh sun over him, you know, and it's all wet and murky and there's a bunch of dead, weird shit all over the place, right, just you know, like and, covered in yucky yeah. things. And there, there's a there's a certain kind of um, like naturalism about that, right? It's all it's all so organic, and he's wandering through it. Yeah. He's kind of headed towards this one like mound that's really organic far out. Is the right word. Yeah, it's super organic. It's too organic. Yeah, it's <laughs> then, very organic. But then he sees this monolith just sticking out of the ground, and that's way too man-made. You know, right. so like it's the like contrast shaped. there. Yeah, the contrast there is is creepy enough. And then he's kind of exploring it and he's like, what the hell is up with this thing? Can you imagine just really put yourself in this situation? Oh my goodness. Right. It, like it'd be one thing to wake up in this situation and 
It looks like the ocean floor has risen up to Which the it sea. It did. Right. It's it's weird. It's very weird. Um, because he kind of passed out and woke up there. Yeah. So I would have thought I died. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. I would have been worried about it coming back. I don't know if I would have left my boat. <laughs> like the water coming back. Yeah, yeah that's sure. a good like, point. I didn't even think islands just come up all the time. Like no way. Like I don't want to be three days back. All of a sudden the ocean's <laughs> cascading down yeah, upon me. Good point. But I mean, imagine seeing a monolith like that. Oh boy. The visualization, he immediately, without even looking at it, he says, and it looks as like an object that has been worshipped, which had such a cool way of telling me about it without telling me about it. Because it's like, what is it? What is sort of attributes does a item, does a building need to have that, that it immediately makes you think of like this thing has been worshipped? I don't know. It just like rubs you all sorts of wrong. I picture like an obelisk. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, with a bunch of carvings on it. And then it's like this creature just pops up. It's creepy that the creature runs to the monument and almost like ignores him. Yeah. That made it creepier for some reason. I don't know why. He's just like, I'm out. <laughs> and then he bails. I think it was like a worshiper. There's a, there's a, you know, there's been an ongoing, probably hundred year long discussion yes. of whether or not that creature is actually Dagon. But I think it's a worshiper. I think it's some kind of like, I don't think he would have used the word worship. Right. Cause like Dagon seems like he's like the Papa deep one, right? Like he's yeah. the ruler of them all. Yeah. However, you know, the very sight of him did make this man go insane for the rest of his life. So it's like yeah. that could lean a little um, credence to the bucket of like, maybe it was Dagon. What did you think about the writing? Like, was it easy for you to read? Was it difficult for you to read? What do you, what do you think? It was easy for me to read, but only, and I don't mean to say it, like come off pompous or anything, but only because I'm like a seasoned reader. Like if I was like not a seasoned reader right, and I just yeah. picked up Lovecraft, I'd be like, what? Like this is everything yeah. that I just thought books were. <laughs> I don't want to involve myself with, but like I know what a gibbous moon is. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a reflection of the times. You know what I mean? Um, there's yes. just like, ref, there's, he references a lot of things that it, here in 2022, you kind of have yeah. to like go, you know, unless you're like well versed in Greek mythology, it's like the you know he he describes this thing as like uh, polyphemous, like yeah, you know, those so are it's the like, things okay, that threw that's me. the Cyclops, and you got to like you know dig right. into there. There's also the the Piltdown Man, which is mentioned. Yeah, do, it's one do you of know the what first, that is? Yeah, it's one of the first. Um, it's like before the Neanderthal, I think. It's like one of the first like um, bipedal. Well, it was uh, humans, it was a, maybe it was like a hoax. Yeah, so yeah, it, it became it not be real. It's really interesting though because at the time that he was writing it, it was real. Oh, right? and so it, <laughs> that's it be, right. It was proved to be a hoax in like the fifties. So yeah, it was off of like some jawbone or something. That's totally, not, I, I forget yeah, it the just wasn't exact details, but it was not real. But it's just interesting because like obviously, if that's a hoax, um, it's going to kind of like fall through the the scientific community cracks, you know. Whereas early in that century, it was probably a phenomenon of really interesting and popular. Mm -hmm. um, but as we kind of glean more information, that hoax probably fell to the wayside. So it's like those kinds of references in his writing that you kind of have to pause and be like, what the hell is the Piltdown, man? I got to go look that up. Yeah, he does that in a lot of his stories. Like he describes things as like there's some Latin name like, you know, he compares yeah. a lot of things to different things that you might not have heard about. So I find when I'm reading Lovecraft, I always kind of keep my phone around me so I can look stuff up because I don't know what the hell he's talking about sometimes. Uh, but it's, it's 100 years old. Yeah, I can't find it, but there was one reference that he did that he was like referencing some old god. It was used as a descriptor word, and I was right. like, I have no idea what that is, and so I had to look it up. 
Yeah, um, his his sentences are a little bit like they're not run on sentences, but they're just like he uses interesting combinations of words. Yeah, it flows well though. It's not like choppy by any means. It's like it's not choppy. It's just it's just like long. It just yeah. feels long. I don't know how else to describe it. It just feels. Like I dense feel and long. Like how you were describing earlier about the special attention upon like space and the vastness of things. Yeah. I think he kind of tries to give you that feeling in his the structure of his writing as well. Yeah. Like the vastness of everything and the puniness and insignificantness of you. Yeah, his tone is unmatched. He must not know? have been like a fun guy to hang with. I don't know. I don't really know much about Lovecraft. I mean, I do know that he was not successful. He's like the Nikola Tesla of writers. Yeah, right? like monetarily, <laughs> like I I don't think that he like made a bunch of money. He died when he was like in his mid forties or something. Uh-huh. It's interesting too. I, at least I always found it interesting is that um he's from like New England. Mid Atlantic, North Atlantic, early twentieth century. I don't know why, but it's creepy. Like that's creepy. That's creepy. He's a creepy looking dude, and like made all the more creepy by the fact that they didn't have color (laughs) pictures. Like a little bit of color would do his picture wonders. I think. Curious about his, um, you know, his philosophy of like cosmicism back in the in the early twentieth century. Like how that was received. Like I'm sure. What is that like? Multiple universes. Oh, cosmicism. Like it kind of posits that like humanity is an insignificant part of the cosmos, and it it could be it could be eradicated at any moment and it wouldn't matter. Okay. You know what I mean? It's very like nihilistic kind of. Yeah, there's like a fragility there um, as compared to the kind of ever-present, you know, basically like deities that right. are kind of like overlooking everything. His creatures of power kind of gain their power from a sense of indifference almost. Like they just don't care. We're so insignificant that they're just like whatever. And that's all yeah, I mean, almost I scarier. Yeah, I don't know if they'd like gain their power from that. Yeah, but, but they gain their mystique, like their fear. Totally. Yeah, yeah, their mystique for sure. But yeah, he I don't I don't think he was ever really able to like support himself. He was like pretty unknown. It's so funny that you can be such an unsuccessful, like not very remarkable artist in your time and then be looked at as one of like the most significant voices in 20th century literature. Yeah one of the the pioneers of supernatural horror like like there's no conversation that you can have about like uh cosmic horror or supernatural horror without lovecraft popping up in right there. and that's almost you the know? thing right it's like the pull point that he makes and how he depicts horror and and his non-depiction of it is kind of like he became famous and well-known once we could no longer ask him the finer points of his stories right so it's just kind of indefinitely left to our imaginations to figure it all out and people love to kind of pick through that so i love to pick through that sort of thing and so yeah i think that kind of adds to his mystique and is like kind of apropos or it's kind of poetic you know yeah i mean i'm really glad we started with one of these really really short short stories uh because that now we can we can move on to something a little bit We, we might do shadow over insmith or i mean call of cthulhu is a good one uh, Color Out of Space is very much different. That might be the next one we read, actually. Okay. That one's really good. His pen name is Grandpa Theobald. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what that came from. I don't know why I had to throw it. I had to throw that in there. One of those email accounts that he's like, I don't know why it's still my email. Like, <laughs> <laughs> got it when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Not not a whole bunch to dig into with this short story, but a very good introduction into H.P. Lovecraft. 
for sure especially the mythos i like i've read a decent amount of lovecraft and um some of it's very long i've had to take breaks uh, in the short stories because i always feel like kind of kind of like lonely and yeah. kind of morose and just kind of bummed out whenever i read one of his yeah, I wasn't stories but when i finished no, the short story they're so it's horror history i mean it's 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 so important i mean most horror authors are influenced by hp lovecraft yeah and it's important while we shouldn't dwell on it and make it be our life like ethos um it's still important to kind of keep the relative insignificantness of everything like in mind like i don't know there's some healthy things here to think about that we shouldn't go through our lives never thinking about it but like i wouldn't say it's like a hill that you want to like post up and camp on for too long you know <laughs> maybe yeah i mean like Get a little soggy uh, a little technically yeah like i don't know if i could like only read lovecraft oh, for like a couple of months you know i don't think i could go through like a lovecraft phase yeah personally like that's just me i feel like i'd need to to get some palate cleansers in there yeah i'm gonna be a dabbler i'll end it on this um i would be really interested not to talk to lovecraft specifically but to talk to somebody in the early 1900s that was just getting a feel for it and had never read anything like that mm. before because i feel like you know Today, in 2022, even without reading Lovecraft, so many things have been inspired by Lovecraft that we can't, we almost can't get away from that influence. Right. Like, it's so, like, existential dread is not lost on any of us, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure that it, to an extent, people in the early 20th century had their share of it, but this, this must have been very novel to people. You know, there's a, the kind of narrative that, like, God created the earth for us and we are its keepers and we are kind of like the top uh, you know, right under the the real top, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like Lovecraft kind of brings to the fore, um, probably not, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And like, and that must have like really, I can see, maybe that's not the reason he wasn't successful, but I could definitely see people reading it and being like, nope, Nope, whatever that is, yeah, nope, I'm nope, not nope, gelling nope, with nope. it. Like, don't like, that is a very scary we thought. World War One that just hit that. us. Like, the Great yeah, Depression's we about to hit. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this is not a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here in 2022, we love reading this stuff, and we're definitely going to read another Lovecraft story on here. I'm looking forward to HP No Hope Craft for sure. <laughs> no, the word love is right in his name. I know, right? It seems like. <laughs> so not <laughs> on brand yeah everybody definitely look out for our next hp lovecraft episode which we'll probably do in a couple of weeks because i really want to hit another like right off the heels of dagon i think it'd be very right i just had one chicken nugget and i kind of feel like i yeah. need a couple more <laughs> like a full know. meal will make my tummy hurt but <laughs> like oh, i yeah, definitely absolutely. need to dip a couple more in there you know <laughs> well everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode go read some more lovecraft too absolutely just don't read you know go go outside yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it on a sunny day <laughs> go, go touch some grass maybe maybe lovecraft should have touched some grass yeah but anyway everybody hope you have an awesome rest of your day thank you for being here with us today and of course happy reading bye everybody